0: Hey, and welcome to the Risen Nation Church podcast. Our goal and desire here at Risen Nation Church is to prepare a place for God's presence with God's people. If you'd like more information on upcoming events or how to connect and even partner with us, you can visit risennation.org for more information. We hope you enjoy today's message. John 13, verse one through five says, now before the Passover feast, Jesus Jesus knew that his hour had come, and it was time. For him to leave this world and return to the Father, this is the Amplified, having greatly loved his own who were in the world, he loved them and continuously loved them, loves them with his perfect love to the end eternally. It was during supper when the devil had already put the thought of betraying Jesus into the heart of Judas Iscariot. Can I get the lights back up if they just went down just a little bit? Jesus knowing, now listen to this. This is what we talked about last week. Jesus knowing all that the father had put into his hands and that he had come from God and was now returning to God, got up from supper, took off his outer garment, taking a servant's towel. He tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into the basin and began washing the disciples' feet, wiping them with the towel, which he tied around his waist. I want you to notice that it says that Jesus was sitting at a table. This is what we talked about. He's sitting at a table with his disciples and he knows that all things belong to him. I said it like this, imagine that you are the beginning, you are the ending, you were born, your mother came to you because at some point if he became the author of our salvation through the things that he suffered, if he really was going to accomplish it as a man, he had to do it exactly like a man which means that he was born just like you and I. He wasn't a three-year-old raising the dead. It's not in scripture. We should stop adding it in our weird Christian movies. Like Jesus did it exactly according to scripture, but he did it as a man. Yes, he was 100% God, but he was also 100% man, which means at some point his mom had to come to him. in, in when he's 12 years old, he's in the temple searching for his father, seeking his father mesmerizing scholars by questions he was asking about himself and now imagine you're at a point in your life where you have done more than 3 years than all the books in the world can contain you've walked on water you took a 4 mile walk into the middle of the sea of Galilee just to just to calm a storm and then and then You're in a place now where you're sitting with your disciples. You know that you're about to go to the cross and you know that all things were made through you, for you, and in you all things consist. And you are the bright and morning star. The Lord had in his spirit a remembrance of, I was there in the beginning. Like everything was made through this king and he's sitting at a table with disciples knowing fully well, he knows it all, knowing fully well Judas is going to betray him fully takes what belongs to him, takes it off, goes and washes Judas's feet with all the rest of them. And Judas betrayed Jesus on that day with clean feet that Jesus had washed. And we're today in church debating about politics. We're in church today fighting with each other over where am I most accepted and valued? we want you to be accepted and valued, but if you don't understand that this King Jesus came and washed Judas's feet when he had the power to call a legion of angels when he was on the cross. If you just study scripture, like it's amazing what Joey and Costi prayed because this is what we're talking about today, but if you study scripture, Jesus was offered a crossless life three times that we're aware of, I'm sure it was more than that, but three times, like notable times when even the devil comes to him. And it's always against image. It's always against who you are. The devil came to Jesus over and over again and said, if you be the son. And then again, there's a thief right next to him says, come on, if you be the son, get yourself off of here and get us down with you. And he's constantly tempted with the power that he was given that would not be taken away. But yet he chose to lay down his life. He chose to take a towel on his waist and wash someone's feet. And today we want revenge in church. God is looking for people that say, listen, when the whole world is coming against me, I'm gonna bless those who persecute me. When they ask me to go one mile, I'm gonna go two miles. And you know what the context of that is? I love it. The context was Roman soldiers would be on horses and they would look at Hebrews and say, walk with me a mile. And they would give them all the equipment that the horse could have easily carried just to humiliate them. And it's saying, I want you to take that And just to show how much you are love, I want you to walk two miles. Not just one, walk two. Today, we go to our friends and we process, which is gossip, (laughs) process with them about, can you believe this person did that to me? When Jesus is washing feet, going to a cross, and he's washing the man that's leading in there. Jesus prayed this. I, I love it. Reinhard Bonnke would say, I said it last week, they asked me in an interview one time, give us your opinion on this one thing. And he, and his response was, I will start splitting hairs when I'm done breaking chains. Could you imagine if rather than giving an opinion, we assembled ourselves in such unity that all we did was break chains. Yes. That when the whole world was, because I have felt it, I'm just, can I be vulnerable with you? I have felt it as a pastor of, I gotta make sure I say the right thing. It's not about saying the right thing. It's about saying what this says. I've got to be careful not to offend anyone. Jesus' whole life was an offense. I'm I'm banking on there is a remnant that wants the real thing. There's a remnant that's going to get back to the original that's not interested in fluffing the ears and making everyone feel good and calling it, bro, we just need to stay encouraging. Actually, the Bible says, tear down before you build up. I want you to root out, tear down, and then build up and plan. Jesus is like, I'm gonna cause the whole system to be so shaken that the world doesn't know what to do with me, so what they're gonna do is persecute me. Yeah. But it's undeniable, the power that comes when we simply choose to please God. We talked about last week Jeremiah 17 that says those that trust in man, those that just live to please man are like a dry shrub in the desert. If you want a dry heart toward God, live for people. Preach for people. Build a church that's about people. For the people, unto the people. No, 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 it's about Jesus. And when it's about Jesus, the people can get him, which is much better than what I could give. I'm banking on this. Like I, I'm, I'm putting my whole life on it. I'm putting our whole church on it, that we are gonna preach the pure gospel. And we're gonna preach a gospel that causes you to make a decision. Am I all in or am I all out? Like they, they were terrified. It says that no one dared join the apostles. No one dared join them. What that means is no one just haphazardly jumped in. No one said, man, this is like, this is where all my buddies go, and we've made community a trendy thing that sounds good and is inviting. When community is people that come together that's saying, we are willing to lay down our lives for this. We're willing, like Jesus, that when the whole world is rioting and and breaking stuff and there's racism and there's homosexuality and we're okay with it in the church and there's abortion and we're okay with it in the church because we want the people to be pleased. There is no presence. And it's dry hearts that are so far from God. Mouths are close. We've adopted a language without an encounter, but their hearts are so far from him And they wonder why they go home and they're discouraged, depressed, full of anxiety, full of depression. And then we have 68 counseling sessions because we need help. Not patty cake today. I'm literally, I love you and I welcome you if this is your first time, but one thing you will get here is a decision. And and in my heart, I'm I'm truly not, I didn't have a plan to to have a church, so I might as well not try to grow a church and just start with 12 like Jesus did. Because the 5,000 didn't flip the world upside down. They were needy and hungry. I'm not against mega churches; I love megachurches. But what if 5,000 were like the 12? What if 100, what if 200, what if 300 all dripped with the glory of God and the world trembled when we walked in? What would that look like? It's not our programs. I'm going to pound this thing until everyone that's not supposed to be here leaves. Because if the colony is going to experience the glory of God, it's going to be people that are assembled together with one purpose, with one mandate to establish the kingdom of God. If we are going to establish the kingdom of God on earth, we can't do it like the world would do it. You cannot change the world when you are like the world. You can't change the world with the language of the world. You're going to change the world when you sound like heaven, when you sound like the kingdom. And when the world is saying revenge, I deserve my rights. I'm going there. The Bible says that we gave up our rights. I refuse to preach anything different because I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to answer for every word. And I'm gonna answer for all the words that you heard me say, that you then went and repeated. And then your words. It's like an endless cycle of wanting to please man. And next thing you know, you're full of anxiety because someone doesn't like you. Jesus started a whole new system and he messed everything up. And they thought that he was gonna come with a sword and just destroy all the Romans they wanted that is is now is the time come on let us let us let's call some fire down on cities see some of you in your hearts you've secretly prayed that i can hear it lord just get rid of them in the government what about pray for them lord judge her she has a devil are you serious how far have we gone That it doesn't matter which party I'm on, but I'm going to go to the other side and say, when you don't deserve it, can I hold your backs for you? What happened to honor? What happened to people that are so gentle that you can't say no to them? You see, when someone is against me and I'm washing their feet, it's really hard to stay against me. Man, it changes everything when we actually become love But if we're gonna become love We're gonna be willing to be peacemakers Which sometimes requires a sword Not peacekeepers Not people that keep peace for the sake of keeping peace Because we want everything to be cool and collected While we're just endorsing sin I'm talking about peacemakers that say I'm willing to pull a sword out To fight for this kingdom of peace This Jesus of peace that'll fill your heart And I'm gonna cut everything away until he comes in Because there is a life that is better than life itself are are you okay i don't know what's wrong with me today but i've just this whole week i'm like do we have church do i'm having church we are having church and we are going to believe that we are not going to be a people that are going to get sick and and get stuck in like don't turn the news on just turn it off i'm so tired of it every day we broke a record we broke a new record and then, and then we pause for a little bit and protest, but then we break more records when it's over. But no viruses came from protests, God forbid. It doesn't even make sense. Turn it off and get the good news on. And I'm not against like protesting and standing for what you believe in. I'm just saying how many Christians are standing for what they believe in? I haven't found many. Pick up your cross, I love it. You want a mantle in your life? I'm all about Billy Graham's mantle and everyone's mantle. If wood is not the closest thing to your back, then you're going to have a mantle that has no power in it. And people might be impressed by it and be impressed by your anointing. But it's not an anointing that can break a yoke. It's just height that stirs people up. I feel the Lord. Matthew 23, 37 says, Oh, Jerusalem, this is Jesus talking, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Before God sends us, in Acts 2, they were gathered together in one accord, in harmony, worshiping the Lord. Before God sends us, he gathers us. Before God, I believe that, gosh, how do I say this, Lord? (laughs) Thanks, James. (laughs) Can we go a little bit deeper? I believe part of my destiny is locked up in you. I believe that the calling on my life is locked up in my brother and in my wife and in Joey and in G-Man. Because without them, there's no one to carry an ark with me. Yeah. We talked about it last week. When one man touched an ark, it killed him. But when David got smart in First Chronicles 15, chapter 13, they're just worshiping. They're making noise. They're doing it with all their might. It seemed good. I, I think a lot of people are dry in their heart doing good things because we've left the one thing. But they're doing the worship and they're doing all the stuff. And then in chapter 15, they get smart. And David says, because we didn't heed God's voice, we couldn't bring the glory of God into the city. So now one man touches it, it kills him but in chapter 15, now you've got a whole priesthood holding an ark together and no one dies because it's the order, the divine order of what God intended. And so in order for me to carry God's presence into a city, I can shout, I can scream, I can pray for 10 people a day but until I get his shoulder along with my shoulder, I can only go so far. God is assembling a body for a purpose and I wanna be very clear in this one thing. What I'm gonna talk about today is not, I'm not saying that you have to be totally dependent on me and I've got to be totally dependent on you in this weird way like where spiritual fathers today become like a replacement of God the Father. That's not at all what I'm saying. But again, what I'm saying is, is like I just described, who Jesus is, is a head and a body. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, how many of you remember They went in, they saw the head, the garments that the head was wrapped in, they were perfectly folded. Like Jesus was like, my part, finished. But where the body was, garments were scattered. Finished, and now he goes, now I'm gonna wait for my body. And he ascends to heaven, gives himself, like he saw in his one person, Jesus, I am the fullness of God if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He multiplies Jesus. The Holy Spirit is Jesus unlimited, is what my uncle used to say. And so when he, when he went up, he gave himself, like as if he took his body that was broken for us, dismembered himself to bring many members into the body, to remember him again together again. Like he said, when he's sitting at the table, eat my body, do this in remembrance of me, not because we forgot about him, but because we are members of his body, remembering him together again, every time we come together and walk together in this life. And it's like the body of Christ, now their job is to fold the garments that were left scattered. And so again, I need my head to survive, but my little toe, if I just stub it one time, I talked about last week, I step on Legos at the house, and all kinds of stuff. You know, when you like hit your shin, anyone ever hit your shin and it tests your Christian faith? <laughs> anyone ever hit a shin before? And it's just, I mean, like, you're like, Jesus, we love you. Because you want to punch someone in the face, like in, in love. But, but if I hit my toe, my whole body adjusts to take care of my toe. The whole thing is limping because one little toe got bruised. Harry recently, I just have to tell a story. Harry had something wrong like with his toe, and they had to take his entire toenail off. Harry is a big dude. He'll hear this. He's not in here right now. That big man walked like a little girl for days because of one toenail. I mean, it's a big toe, don't get me wrong. But <laughs> he's my brother in law, so I can say that. One toenail caused his whole body to be off. I wanted to go golfing with him. He wouldn't come with me because of his toenail. I'm like, are you kidding? But it, it shows the need for the body, that unless we become assembled together, We're gonna walk and we're just gonna walk and there's gonna be no purpose to our walk and we're gonna say we're evangelists and I'm a pastor and I'm a prophet. Who are you under? You can't be an authority unless you're under authority. You wanna know something that God has. If I could say this with all humility, the one thing that I know without a shadow of a doubt that I understand, that my brother understands is honor. If I get anything in my life, it is this one thing that God has blessed and anointed my family. He's anointed us because we know how to honor. I'm standing here not because I'm a great man of God, but because I got under some great men of God. I am anointed because I found a faucet that I said, I want to get under that. The anointing flows from the head down, down to the beard, down to the garment, down to the skirts. And at the hymn, it says, at the hymn is where he commands his blessing. Those that are willing to be at the bottom, God says, I can bless that. You are not a lone wolf. We, we can only go so far on our own. But when you gather Costi and I and you gather my dad and you gather my wife and G-Man and Joey and you put us together, now we can accomplish something. When you take the anointing that's on our family and you just gather that thing together, now we can do something. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 27 says this, but now as things really are God has placed and arranged. I love the amplified. This is the amplified. God has placed and arranged the parts in the body, each one of them, just as he willed and saw it. With the best balance and function, if they all were a single organ, where would the rest of the body be? But now, as things really are, there are many parts, different limbs and organs, but a single body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. But quite the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are absolutely necessary. You're not just a butt in a seat today. You are absolutely necessary to what God wants to do in this house. Whether you believe that or not, we are as strong as we are weak. The weakest one is how strong we are because we're a body. And as for those parts of the body which are considered less honorable, these we treat with greater honor. And our less presentable parts, Joseph is talking about, are treated with greater modesty, while our most presentable parts do not require it. But God has combined the whole body, giving honor to that part which lacks it, so that there would be no division. No division. The Bible says, mark those who cause division. Mark them. No discord in the body, that is lack of adaption of the parts to each each other, but that part which may have the same concern for one another. And if one member suffers, all the parts suffer, and if one member is honored, all rejoice with it. Now, collectively, everyone say collectively, you are Christ's body. And individually you are members of it, each with his own special purpose and function. Don't be a copy. It doesn't help anything. And I believe that there is a young generation. It's not just passed on with the ones that used to wear suits, but there's a young generation that's going to come as they are, and they're going to learn how to be an honorable people because there's power in that. Anyone, anyone in the military besides Joey in here, do you break rank ever? Never. You march in order every time. You want to know why the military is so powerful? Because they understand honor. You want to know why we lack power in the church? Because we don't understand honor. It's a free-for-all. The anointing is like a sprinkler. It's not how it works. We need to get back to the Bible. God has a way in which he flows. God has a way in which he works. And this isn't to make you dependent on me. It's to make you guys actually collectively dependent on each other like a right and a left hand. You're not my source of life. That's, my, that's the head's job. You don't keep me alive, but when it comes to my assignment, I need you because we're connected. But it's gonna take honor. Listen to this. This is, Jesus said it like this. Matthew ten forty one honor unlocks, it unlocks blessing. It says this, he who receives or honors, that word's honor, a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man reward. And then remember in Matthew 13, 57 through 58, Jesus goes back to his hometown and it says they took offense at him, imagine that. They took offense at him, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now listen, nothing can stop the touch of Jesus. It says that he still laid hands on some and the ones that he laid hands on were healed. But just this dishonor, like this familiarity that becomes so dangerous that can't personally stop him, but it can affect an environment. It can it can cause a whole environment when there's no honor of someone or, or what God is doing or of him. It can affect an environment in such a way that God won't be able to move because even if there is some burning, the ones that are in here that are like, I don't know why I'm here today, you know, like the grieving of the Holy Spirit. But it... It actually caused the environment to become numb to the supernatural because there was no honor. That's right. I believe that honor is key in creating a supernatural environment here. And I want you to write it down. If you haven't taken notes, or you, please, if you believe God is calling you to this house, come with us. Honor is key in creating a supernatural environment. Listen, that's conducive for miracles. And it's not just you honor me, it's I honor you. It's not just you honor me and sit there and be quiet. It's if I can't honor you, I can't pull the gold out of you. And if I can't find the gold that's in you, we can't, we can't go anywhere as a body. And I'll be trying to hold up slack and feel pressure. Man, pastors are committing suicide because of pressure. It's not gonna happen in this house. Why? Because I'm not going to try to carry an ark on my own. All right, all right. Good work. Can you guys go with me to John 12, and we're going to change gears just really quick. Pastor Rick, I'll take you back. Please, thank you. You guys doing okay so far? Yes. Okay, John 12. This is... Verse 25 through 26, okay? And it sounds like this is totally off topic, but I promise it's not, okay? Just trust me, okay? He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, slow down, if anyone serves me, let him follow me that where I am There, my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my father, will honor. There's a difference between serving him and following him. Serving him is not easy. There's a price to be paid. There's a journey to go on. But when you're just serving him and you're nothing but a servant, but you haven't found him as a friend and you're not following him. You see, following Jesus makes every moment worth it. Following Jesus, you know, they would they would burn Christians alive in the Colosseum. They'd burn them alive. And it says that they would have smiles on their faces as they were being burned. We're upset when someone on Instagram comments bad, We talked to 48 people about it because our feelings are hurt and Christians are being killed and burnt alive all over the world. You don't hear any news about that. They had smiles on their faces because when you're following him, it changes everything. Actually, what he does is he takes discipline and turns it into delight. When you're following Jesus, he takes paying a price and all of a sudden it becomes a reward. When you're following jesus and not just serving him like i think sometimes we've married our calling more than we've married god we're more faithful to being a pastor than we are faithful in being a son we're more consumed in our churches than we are loving him and ministering to him and slowly but surely you're numb you know that you're numb and you're riding on a gift that he won't take away from you following him changed. Because now it's not about getting somewhere. When he's there, I'm there. Do you, do you hear me? Jesus is not a means to a destination. He is the destination. Jesus is not my opportunity to be used in front of 5,000 people. Jesus himself is the opportunity. It's what caused the disciples to be beaten And then they go, and they're excited about being beaten. And they're saying, thank you, Lord, that I am worthy to be persecuted for your name. That's following Jesus. It goes beyond serving him. You see, servants don't know what the master's up to. But when you're a son of the house, it changes everything. And now all of a sudden, what seems like an like a bummer becomes a reward. Man, I'm not, this is in the Bible, check me on it. Our target is not our calling, our target is Him. And I think oftentimes we, we rally people up to say yes, let's give Him your yes, what are you giving Him? Is it a yes to what you're called to? Or is it a yes to Him? Because, what if you give God your yes, you know, you come to the altar, you lift your shoes up, we've done it. Send me, God, here I am, send me, and then you go back to your cubicle on Monday. And it's not the nations that you thought, but the one next to you is dying with depression and suicidal thoughts. But we don't say anything because we're waiting for India. We don't say anything because we're consumed with our calling. We're consumed, No, I gave God my yes. He's going to send me to the mission field. He's going to make me an itinerant speaker. If you only knew the price, you'd be willing to pay it if you saw him and said, I'm not... I'm not giving myself to anything else. I'm not gonna marry my calling. I'm not gonna marry my church. I love you, but I'm not married to you. I'm already married. And actually I'm married to her, but I'm more married to him. When I say her, I mean the beautiful pregnant lady right there. That one in the white. If we are his body, then it's not so much about us accomplishing something together, but rather simply being together purpose is to become one jesus didn't pray in john 17 father make them one and let each of them win a thousand people see some of you don't like that some of you evangelists you're like no i'm getting my million what what if are you condemned if you only got like three this year like it's it's we have become so employed by god that we forgot about him as a father Our purpose. Jesus prayed, Father, let them be one. Add to the body and become part of the body. Here's the point. When I go and I tell people about the Lord, why am I telling them about the Lord? Just to have another notch in my belt and tally and, and I'm gonna stand before God. Listen, you know that nowhere in the Bible does it say you're gonna stand before him and give him a number? Nowhere. we become one the more we become a body the more that we're going to add to the body it's about adding to the body not so we can fill our churches but so we can fold up that garment that was left scattered in the tomb the more we gather as a body the more the kingdom is established you see we don't preach here it's about dying and going to heaven that will happen. You will put off this tent. You will step into glory. I'm not taking it away from you, but you see, when it's all just about dying and going to heaven, then death is the victory. Death is the savior. Death is my opportunity to see him. Death was defeated 2,000 years ago, and death didn't comprehend him. He went down into the, into the pit. They said, we don't know what to do with this man. We don't even understand him. He is so much life. He is so not full of sin. Like sin is the sting of death. So what does death do when there's no sin? It couldn't contain him. It's not about dying and going to heaven. It's about bringing heaven here now that as it is in heaven, it is in the colony. That as it is in heaven, it is in Texas. How is that gonna happen? There's not anyone see uh, transformers like when the when the city starts coming down. That's not what it's gonna be like. We are the city of God, a city on a hill. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible, when it talks about Zion and it talks about a, a city of the Lord, it describes her as the bride. Read your Bibles. We are the kingdom of God. It, it's not meat or drink. It doesn't come by observation. They said, show us the kingdom. He said, it doesn't come by observation. It's in you. If the kingdom of God is in me, Does it grow when I get connected with somebody and actually run through life with them? And don't just call it community because it feels good, but biblical community, like that kind of community that says, listen, when you're weak, I'm gonna strengthen you. And when I'm weak, you're gonna strengthen me. And in our one onto another, we're gonna create some glory. And the kingdom of God is gonna be established in the earth. We don't win people to Jesus because he's a fire escape out of hell. Jesus is more than that. Jesus is not simply a bridge from death to life. He is life. This is eternal life, that they may know you. It doesn't say that this is eternal life, that one day they're gonna die and go to heaven. Eternal life is knowing Jesus. Again, you will, no one, I'm not taking your heaven away. You will put off this tent. You will step into glory, 100%. But what if, just what if it was possible that we can see glory now. If Jesus said, Father, the glory you've given me, I've given them. Do you think that the Father answers his prayers? Here's the contingency. Let them be one as you and I are one. We add to the body, not because we need more people to go to heaven and be on our tally board. We add people to the body because the more people we add, The more the kingdom is established on earth The more people we had The more the kingdom is established on earth This whole book is about a king and his kingdom The whole thing Hebrews 10 I'm almost done, okay I promise This is Hebrews 10 verse 5 It says, sacrifice an offering you did not desire Body you have prepared for me. Verse 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is in the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. When we are doing something that's just about being rowdy. Doesn't bring change. I want to take a minute and talk about our purpose in being connected. Okay? And what it causes. And I want to define the difference between hype and stirring. Go to Isaiah 6 with me. So listen, and as you go, I want you to listen again. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Isaiah 6 says this. Can we just go a little bit deeper? Is that okay? Is the air on in here? Oh my gosh. Okay. This was a bad choice today. In the year King Uzziah died, I'm going somewhere. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. That word Uzziah means self be strong. In the year that you being strong within yourself dies, the train of his robe will fill your temple. He doesn't share his glory with another. He's not gonna like share occupancy with you. He is a jealous God. How many husbands in here are cool with another dude texting your wife at midnight for two hours? Nobody. (laughs) James. Nobody. You know where we get that from? You see, in marriage, this is a beautiful thing. In dating, it's just weird. We grew up hearing dating is divorce practice. Just get married. But we... God is jealous for us Jealous for us So jealous that he wants to become all in all And he's not going to share you with you You have to die, come alive And now your life has to be hidden in Christ with God Colossians 3 So in the year that self be strong dies I saw the Lord sitting on a throne High and lifted up And the train of his robe filled the temple Above it stood Zarephim. Just Can we go a little bit deeper? Can we just push it just a little bit more? That word seraphim, nowhere in scripture does it say that this was some sort of angel. We've added a lot to scripture because we don't understand, but it doesn't say that it's an angel. That word seraphim means burning ones. Above it stood burning ones. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, holy holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Verse four, and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. Now listen, Zeraphim describes the host of heaven, the burning ones. It's not angels. It doesn't say that. The burning ones. It's the same thing as The Ark of the Covenant, and I encourage you, especially if you're like a millennial, please read your Bibles. Please don't say you love Jesus and not love his word. Like devour his word until it becomes your life. Don't just read it, eat it. It's meant to be eaten. Study it. The book wasn't written in English. I'm sorry, it was written in Hebrew and Greek. Get a Strong's Concordance. Study what he was meaning. Go, Lord, reveal yourself to me. There's so much power in it. But you know, when they created, when they built the Ark of the Covenant according to the God's design, you had the mercy seat in the middle and on top of the mercy seat, you had two things that faced each other called cherubims. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Come on. Okay, read Exodus 25 if you don't know what I'm talking about. There was two cherubims and they they faced each other looking into the mercy seat. And when gold is beaten, it's reflective. So the cherubim saw each other through the mercy seat. And in Exodus 25, God says, I'll meet you there. I'm gonna meet you on the mercy seat. So when the high priest would come in, he would put the blood on the mercy seat, but the cherubim faced each other and they saw themselves through the covenant of God's blood. That word cherubim means image, it's not an angel. Everyone say imagery. How many of you know the Lord gives us pictures? The Lord, he he wants to reveal there's something hidden beyond the pages. For some, it says that the veil is still over the pages, but the Lord wants to take that veil off today. Is that okay? Because this is not angels. The Lord is actually talking about his image. We are the image and the likeness of God. We are the burning ones. What does it say? That we are the sons of light Through the mercy seat, his image, us, that his blood was spilled and laid on the mercy seat. We look at the mercy seat and we see each other. We see each other through his blood. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that the message today encouraged and equipped you for what Jesus has for you today. If you'd like more information on what we're up to or how to connect with us and to see upcoming events that we have at the church, You can visit risennation.org. We bless you. Grace and peace to you.